Show with your host, Nigel Roberts. Hi, it's Nigel, and this is Staccato. I'm talking with Victoria-based musician Vic Horvath. Vic's a talented singer, songwriter, guitarist, and recording artist who's just released her first album, West Coast Rain. Her combination of roots and folk music has been described as dark, warm, and magical. Aside from solo pursuits, Vic also collaborates with other acts, either appearing with a backing band or contributes to other musicians' projects. Vic works hard at her songwriting, and when it comes to the source of her music, she said she tips her hat to early blues. about your roots, the blues. What got you into the blues and listening to performers like Milford Bailey and her songs from the 20s and 30s? Um, well, when I was a kid, I guess, I listened to a lot of rock and roll, um, just through records and CDs that my brother had, and heard this sound of the guitar and was fascinated by it. And the way that it sounded really captivated me, so I got curious about it, and the more I learned and heard it, the more I dug deeper into where it was coming from and who was making it and followed the rabbit hole down. <laughs> you know, it goes. <laughs> and what is it about these early blues and blues singers that appeals to you? Mm, the life that they live, I think, more so than, like, I mean, their musicality is beautiful, their dynamics, all of that stuff is great, but also just, I think what they have in the life and struggles that they went through comes through their music and it's like very touching, it's very real to me. You've done some terrific covers of great blues songs like The Devil Makes Three Old Number Seven, which I heard you play last Saturday. And I love what you said about this tune. Nothing like a down and dirty floor licking blues song. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk a little bit about um, what got you started. I mean, how old were you when you first got interested in singing and songwriting? I was never interested in singing at the beginning. <laughs> I, um, I really wanted to play the guitar when I was a kid. I saw a teacher of mine playing um, at school one time and was fascinated by it. And my brother had some Beatles stuff around and I just got on a kick that I wanted to play the guitar. So my mom's ex-boyfriend got me one, but he, in his like very French-Canadian way, he was like, Vicky, you must, you must sing if you play guitar. You must sing and you should sing in a choir. And I was just like... I don't want to sing. It sounds funny when I sing. I don't. I don't really like it. Feel. It makes me feel uncomfortable. <laughs> you know. I was really shy about it. But yeah, he he kind of poked me into doing it. He's just like, you got it. You got to. How old do were it. you then? About uh, eleven. Eleven. <laughs> yeah. And when did you first start performing in public? And what was that like? I think I was at a talent show, probably junior high talent show or something like that. I was learning all these crazy guitar riffs because I was excited to just go wild so I'd like learn some Van Halen songs and really like we just went all out so were you playing electric guitar then uh yeah I, I started on an acoustic but as soon as I had enough money and I could get a job that I'd get summer work 
um, yeah, I bought an electric guitar right away. <laughs> and were you taking lessons or were you self-taught back then? Uh, I was self-taught for a long time. I think when I was 13 I started taking lessons. What kind of lessons? Uh, mostly blues. Blues? Yeah. Blues guitar or? Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, blues guitar from a fella um, in Calgary who was in a band out of Liverpool. Uh, he was a Liverpoolian fella who, he actually toured Hamburg around the same time that the Beatles did, which is crazy, yeah. And did you learn a lot from him? So much, yeah. yeah. He was my mentor, for sure. What kind of things did he teach you? Um, well, it's interesting because I went to him, and he knows theory, and he knows all of his his stuff, but he just took one look at me, and he was like, you don't want to go with a paper route, do you, Vic? <laughs> <laughs> he just knew it. He, was, he gave me a lot of life advice, you know. Um, he told me about music and what you have to sacrifice for it and if you're really passionate about it which he could I think he could just see I really loved music um he just said you know I mean you have to sacrifice a lot in relationships and in uh time and really dedicate yourself if you want to be good in terms of songwriting how important is writing lyrics to you it's becoming more important the older I get why so I never realized as a young person how much lyrics actually got through to my brain all at once. Um, like I would sit down and I would listen to a record and I would just feel the record. And I wouldn't really pay attention to what was going on because I couldn't differentiate one thing from another thing because my brain wasn't trained to do that. You know, I would experience the music in a full wave as opposed to focusing on different parts and that was really great. Um, and maybe in the same sense, I would write songs thinking of it in a giant scheme of things, but now I understand that there's many parts to it. And so lyrics, I think, um, I mean, words can mean different things to different people. I can say something to you, and it'll mean something to you, and it'll mean something completely different to somebody else. So it's kind of adapting, yeah, adapting your words to, to your own experience and your own feelings. It's definitely a psychological thing, <laughs> and I'm, I, pay, I pay respect to that. Words are like, yeah, the most powerful weapon. <laughs> Can you describe your songwriting process? Mm, what I usually do is I'll sit down, or I'll be walking around, and something will go on a loop in my brain. I feel like that's where it starts. Either like a feeling that's powerful or a loop of one thing. And I'll just sit down and jot it down really quickly. And when you say a loop, is maybe I shouldn't say with this, but is that like uh, an idea for lyrics? Is could it, be anything. Is it a melody? Or yeah, it could be anything, like a rhythm even, too. Just something that's that catches me in, like, out of nothing. I feel like it comes out of thin air. I'm just like, I'll be, or if I'm sitting down to write a song, I'll, I'll not know what I'm going to do. I'll just pick up my guitar and plunk away, kind of just noodle around. And something will come out of it, and I'll just be like, that's what it is. Like, that's what the idea is. Do you often write uh, melodic ideas before writing lyrics? Mm, it depends. Yeah. It always depends on the song. Yeah, which is frustrating in a way, because I feel like if I go into writing with the idea that I know what I want to come out of it, it never turns out that way. And then it gets yeah. frustrating, because I'm like, I want to <laughs> stick to a theme, or I want to have all my songs sound in the same... I can't do it that way because it's not natural. It's more of a subconscious. Let's listen to Vic Horvath perform her song, Rats and Races, from her album, West Coast Rain. New face. 
places, new places, new rats and new races, new lovers, new covers, new telephone Vic Horvath. Have you had any specific uh, challenges in being a songwriter or musician? Yeah, I would say so. Um, I think confidence has a lot to do with being a musician. Um, and I think that it's, it's difficult standing up in front of people and just kind of bearing it all for them, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can't imagine. Yeah, and sometimes... I think the challenges that I find is some some days it's just harder to do than others, but it's odd because I find when those days happen, when it's the hardest, is when people seem more receptive. It's bizarre. The more emotional, and the more kind of like I don't know. It's it's interesting to me. But yeah, it's always been an uplifting experience for me playing music. So it's almost therapeutic in a sense that. Sharing even in any emotion, but the stronger emotions that you share too, the more people connect. Because I think everybody goes through the same stuff, you know. And music is one of those things that just allows you to to put that out. Your comments about that song, "Sex and Drugs and Jewels," made me think about what another singer-songwriter told me, which was, "To lead this kind of life, one really needs to have support." And sometimes that can come in the form of just knowing that there are others out there who are doing the same thing. Can you comment on that? Uh, yeah. I think, I think it's really um, humbling to, to see other musicians who, um, who have the same dreams and desires and passions, who also, I mean, it's a hard thing to do to just to always be trying to... to um, to express yourself and to feel confident in your art. And so I think if you practice in confidence or if you practice in non-confidence, <laughs> which I think all of us do both of those things, to see it in other people and to recognize that we all go through the same struggle is oh, it's, it's what makes the music community, you know, is that we're all just trying to get, get through our, our craft and, and share it and express it, you know. Getting your music out to the public. I mean, I know that you're on YouTube, but what other means do you use to get your music out to your audience? I'm not a very good self-promoter, but I try. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and yeah, so I've I've done the YouTube thing. Did that work for you? It totally did. People okay. people like it's nice that they can listen to my stuff and be like, oh, that's the song you were singing at that gig, Vic. Like very very like thumbs up, but also. Um, I mean, as a means of distributing my music, um, yeah, Facebook seems to be a good platform for me just because 
my friends are on there. My friends are my support group. Um, and lots of my friends are also musicians and artists. So it's sweet because you can listen to your friends' stuff and show them stuff and inspire each other. So it's kind of a cool uh, trade-off. For streaming and downloading, at least for one of your songs, Can't Leave the House, I think you use Bandcamp. Mm. What do you think of this site for musicians? I think it's good. Um, I think Bandcamp is pretty... Um, it's easy to use. Um, but I don't know how many people actually use it. Um, there's so much stuff on there. But I don't know what it is. Some people have better product than other people, or you you can find things. I, I like Bandcamp a lot because we have an ability as an artist to sell records, like, in the click of a mouse. That's pretty crazy. I wanted to ask you a question about YouTube. Because you just said with Bandcamp, there's a lot of musicians on it. And on YouTube, the same, there's a lot of music on it. Music videos, I think, comprise the majority of, of YouTube. Yeah. And what I want to ask is, from the perspective of an artist such as yourself, do you think that, that the social media sites such as like Facebook or YouTube, are they overcrowded? And what I mean by that is, is it hard for you to cut through that clutter and get your music heard by, the, by your audience? Mm, I, don't, I don't think so. But I'm not somebody who wants to throw my stuff in everybody's faces. You know, I don't think that that's a very graceful way about doing art. Mm -hmm. I think that art should call to you. If you go into a gallery and you look at pieces of art, there's going to be specific ones that will call to you. And I think that to be a true, truly recognized artist or musician, it's you need to make things that make people think. And so I think that if you're making music that's beautiful and truthful, people who are listening and people who you want to listen will find it. That's just my own like idea about it, but I, but I really do. I think that, yeah, you get what you put out. <laughs> and if you're going to throw things in people's faces, it feels almost like it happens too much. And you feel, like for myself anyways, I feel like, yeah, there's just too much. Like I want to want to go and listen to something and put my energy into that one thing. You, know? you play electric, acoustic, and classical guitars. Can you talk about your various guitars, about what they mean to you, and kind of what each brings to your songwriting and, and performing? Hmm, I have a lot of guitars, <laughs> so I feel like I have a lot of stories, because <laughs> most of my guitars I didn't buy for myself. Um, a lot of them were either given to me, um, or I came upon them. <laughs> so, in terms of styles of guitars and what the styles mean to me, um, that's why I think I... I have each specific type of guitar for each specific type of sound I'm looking for. So if I feel a little bit more aggressive or like I'm gonna go for the electric. If I'm feeling more um, sentimental, I'll go for the classical. <laughs> you know, if I'm feeling back homey, I'll go for the acoustic. <laughs> it's kind of they mean yeah, but there's more to it than that. I think honestly, they're each a personality and part of like I feel like my guitars are part of me and so I feel like there are many different uh, there are different outlets within me and so sometimes maybe I don't want to express my outlet through gnarly guitar solos I just want to sit down and have like really nice melodic thing going on and that's that's 
awesome, you know? To be able to be versatile, I think, is important because if you stay stagnant, it's good in practice, but in actual performance, it's it's different, you know? It's not, it doesn't move. You just gotta know how, how to do it properly, you know? It's, um, it's important to kind of be able to, um, yeah, to rely on silence as much as to rely on the music, you know? One musician recently told me that you can be the most talented person in the world, but if you don't know how to distribute your music, you'll never make it. What do you think? Hmm. It depends what making it is. <laughs> okay, let's go with that. Um, yeah, it depends. Success is like a very bizarre thing for artists and musicians these days um, because I think there's success between uh, financial gains which is interesting, and if they're speaking like solely to financial gains, then maybe I can I can agree with that to a certain extent. But um, but if you're talking about gains that are um, purely for um, not necessarily financial, but to get your name out there, which some people crave that too, bizarrely enough, <laughs> performers. Yeah. yeah, I think. To be honest, in the sense of what it is to be gratified and to be in a good spot with music, I feel like I've already made it in a sense because I'm able to play shows in Victoria, which is fantastic, you know, and be able to play original music in front of people. And I think that that sharing, for me, it's it's really nice to be able to get paid to do something. It's almost a little awkward because I've done it for a long time not getting paid, that now it's it feels bizarre, but people are like, it's your craft, you should get paid for it, <laughs> like, you know? But um, I guess making it, I mean, going on tour and making money, I think that making it is just making it your life, you know? Making it everything you do all day. So, I mean, it would be nice to be able to support myself solely through music um, by just writing and performing and playing and traveling about that would be great but in sense of of gratification and just enjoying it as this awesome experience that I'm so lucky to have I've made it already that's how I feel about it you know it's it's really lucky even just sitting down here with you and chatting about music it's really cool that you can sit down for an hour with somebody who I have no history with, but yet we have like so much commonality. It's lucky, you know, I feel very lucky. Thanks to Vic Horvath for talking with us today. And thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode of Staccato, please share it with your friends. In the next episode, we'll be talking with Mike Klein and Matt Andre from Final Envy. Tuning in to the Staccato Show with your host, Nigel Roberts.